Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Nada is back for Impromptu Fire Friday. The Pistons are in town. Blake Griffin makes his debut and this. Yes, I would like a side of chicken nuggets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's a nice surprise for me. I didn't realize that we were going to be doing things this way once again, but it seems like it is indeed Fire Friday. Fire Friday is back, which means we have Nada on the show. And I understand that Nada just wants to basically vent about how upset he is that Carmelo Anthony is not a member of the Charlotte Hornets. Nada, feel free. The floor is your man. I appreciate that you're here on the podcast with us. You can go ahead and vent about how you wanted Melo so badly. Tough day for you. I hate you both. I am. I hate you both. All I'm trying to do is celebrate the fact that Carmelo was on the other side of the country. We don't have to worry about any more of the think pieces, any of the any of the just long diatribes about Carmelo Anthony being a Hornet. Why? What is? What is the Michael sign him? Why didn't the Hornet sign him? What about the plan? Melo's bad enough to where they're tanking anyway. Melo bring tickets. I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. And then you want to bring this up? Why? I wish I, I, I wish Denver would have gone after him and tried to all night. Yep, try to get great. the all chonk team. <laughs> <laughs> what you trying to say about Jokic, man? Come on, he's portly. No, yeah, yeah, he's not oh, Portland. Yeah. He's portly. Uh, looking at and by the way, Nada. Right before we started to record this, Nada asked both. Doug and I to the listeners out there. He said, are we ready to say that the sky is falling for the Charlotte Hornets right now? And Doug and I were like, man, look, we're enjoying the ride. Everything seems to be good for us and not. I know you kind of had a similar expectation coming into the season where you didn't have any expectations. You were just here for the ride as well. Now there's been a couple of losses that you could have possibly asked for a victory from this team, like the one against the Pelicans, like against the Grizzlies earlier this week. But honestly, I'm cool with it, Nada. How are you feeling with a couple of those losses to teams, maybe as uh, not as talented as well as some of the other teams out there in the NBA? This is one of those situations where I, I just recognize that this is a young team. This is a young team that is going to make mistakes, that is going to do a couple of things that you don't necessarily want them to do. They are, and I think I wrote about this in dispatches this week. They're like that young puppy that if you take, if you look the wrong way, they'll end up pooping on your carpet. So they pooped on the carpet twice in the last three three games. Oh well, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Nada, what um, did, Nada, what did you think of Devontae Graham's first start? I thought that it took him a while to get going. I do think that the stretches where he started to take over and assert himself, those were pretty good. Um, the one thing I do worry about is long-term. Are you cool with Malik possibly being the lead guard or being the first guard off the bench instead of Devontae, even if Dwayne Bacon comes back? Because I do believe even if Bacon comes back, that starting spot is gone now. So at what point do you start worrying about who's going to be your backup point guard and is Malik good enough to do that for you long-term without either Terry or Devante going back to the bench. And I'm not sure you can bench Terry 20, 30 games into the season yet. Not a, did you fanboy as hard as I did when Malik Monk dominated against the Grizzlies? 
Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I, I got to sit with the uh, writers. They put me with the writers this last time, and it took everything in me not to <laughs> celebrate and, and, and just try to just basically try to be professional. It took everything mm -hmm. in me. And even though, like, the Terry, the Terry, no, look, you could see that one kind of coming. But even mm -hmm. then, it was still awesome to watch. No, it was awesome to watch. I did not have to be professional. I watched that game from my couch, and so I could act reckless as I absolutely wanted to. But you are right about the the guy coming off of the bench, right? Like, are we cool with Malik Monk doing it? And Doug and I have talked about this. Like, Devontae deserves to be in the starting lineup. Do you go Malik Monk 1, Dwayne Bacon 2? I mean, how, how does that second unit look if you're sitting Terry and Devontae at the same time? Or can you sit both of those guys at the same time? I don't think you can. That's the problem. Like, I really don't think you can. And unless you're really good with giving Kobe Simmons minutes, mind you, I wouldn't be one of those people that's really good with Kobe Simmons getting minutes. Then I'm not sure how you do that. There's a lot of this that still needs to be figured out. Granted, we're only 10 games into 10, 11 games into the season. So there's a lot of season to happen. But they're running out of lead guards. And that's half the problem. So you're going to need another guy to take another step. Whether it's Dwayne Bacon, hey, this is your time to shine and show that you are worth being that second option on offense, whether it be off the starting unit or on the bench. Or if it's Malik Monk who continues to take steps, even though his three-pointer isn't falling. My guess is Malik takes a few more steps, even though there are signs that I am kind of getting worried about with him, too. Something we haven't talked about a whole lot on the podcast is that Marvin Williams has kind of gone away completely offensively the last three games. You look at the games dating back all the way to the Pelicans one. He scored two points against the Pelicans. They were both free throw attempts. He scored zero against the 76ers. That was in 15 minutes. And then he scored two points against the Grizzlies. That was on two free throw attempts, four free throw attempts. And he only made two of them. So zero field goals in the last three games. Not I'm with you. I've seen you on Twitter. Talk about how sad you'll be when Marvin Williams is traded. I think there's all I think all of us are going to have some level of sadness. Uh, we're going to understand the return value and all of that. I think Marvin is probably good for this team as a veteran. But overall, just do you want to trade Marvin? Like, is that something I understand you talk about him being sad, but overall, just what is your thought on trading Marvin Williams and what kind of return value would you have to get in order to see him go? First things first, I'm not sure they trade Marvin. That's the, that's something I just, I'm not sure because what's the, again, cause like you said, what's the return? If you're not getting, like, I thought that he would have been perfect for Portland and I thought a lottery protected first or one to 10, like protected one to 10. I thought that would work perfectly for a team like Portland for a guy like Marvin Williams. The thing is now, if you're not getting a first or if you're not getting a lightly protected second round pick, that's going to be in the thirties. Why are you trading him? I mean, he's going to not really command anything on this on the market. You can keep him. You have his bird rights. He can sign a nice two, three-year contract. He can be the old guy that everybody comes to. He becomes your Giles if you're a Buffy fan. He's the Giles of the locker room, and he's the old guy everybody goes to. And, I mean, that's I'm okay with that. Also, in terms of Marvin going forward, he's kind of a center now. And putting him and Biz in the same lineup, they're kind of redundant parts at this point. So you can play Biz in one aspect 
and then for the defense, but you can't play Biz and Marvin together, or you can play Biz by himself and have enough spacing around him to where he's still effective. I don't think you can play Biz and Marvin. I think that's the reason why you're seeing Marvin not be able to score as much now. Not I, I saw you put on Twitter that you felt bad for Terry Rozier and the kind of reception that he was getting in the first few games where he certainly was a little bit of a disappointment, but he had a really good game against the Grizzlies. Maybe not at the very end of that, but 33 points. Can't blame Terry Rozier for that loss. What was your overall take on Terry so far this season as well as what we saw from him off ball against Memphis? The thing that I really wonder about with Terry Rozier, and I think this is something that we don't give – Devontae Graham enough credit for Devontae Graham was a guy that came in who is who was tutored by T- Kemba Walker tutored by T- Tony Parker had a year plus in the system played over a hundred probably about 90 games in the system when you factor in the G League stuff because the system is the same no matter where you go for between Greensboro and Charlotte he had about 90 games of experience and I think that helps accelerate your learning curve Terry didn't have necessarily the same thing. Terry is still going through this. He's had maybe, what, 15 games tops to learn the system plus practice. I think he's finally adjusting to the system and everything because he's not necessarily a pick-and-roll player. And there are times where he's missed the role, man, for easy assists, really easy assists. And therefore, once he starts getting comfortable in the point guard and in the off-ball role, which I did notice – like he got really unlocked when you had a guy like Devonte, when you had a guy like Malik, where he could operate off ball. You could do the multiple ball handlers, multiple playmakers thing, and the fact that he was able to be unlocked just maybe adds another gear. And now you're going to see people stop stop booing him, which was kind of classless to begin with. And then on top of that, just watch him start putting in these 20, 30 point performances because he's got it in him, and he's going to be worth that contract in the end. Nada, tell us what you're working on and where we can find all your work, man. All right. There's a couple of things that are that I'm working on. I got a special project with Cody Zeller that's coming up in the next couple of weeks for Dime. There is dispatches from Spectrum. And I believe Dime, um, I got to shadow John Morant for a little bit last uh, on Wednesday. So there's going to be a piece on John Morant coming out either this week or early next week. So that's, that's awesome. about it. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, that's Nada. You can find him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. We're bringing him in for Fire Fridays, hopefully pretty consistently now. Nada, always appreciate the time, man. Good to have you on. Appreciate y'all. Miss y'all, man. I miss you too. It's so sweet. Glad we had you back on here. Voicemails on the other side of the break from David on Miles Bridges. We'll, we'll talk about that next year on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, I, you know, I just I spend some time away from the show, and you're still the same old Walker. All right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about? Uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. Plural noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I have a question for you guys. It's the second time that I've brought Wendy's up in the last probably couple of months or so, but I never really Is that go the question. In. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, sure. I don't. I don't know qu- how many times you brought Wendy's up on this show. Too many in my. Qu- we'll get ready for one more. The question is: I went into Wendy's today. I mean, just you know, I just decided. You know what? 
I'm just going to walk in. Didn't want to drive through. It was raining. Didn't, and then I'm not going to bring the food here. I didn't want to, I just wanted to eat it there while it was hot. I got some chili today, which is, I just wanted to eat it while it was still piping hot rather than bring it all the way to the crib. Also and better for the environment. drive throughs idling cars, terrible for the environment. Oh, well, and that was also on my mind. And so I decided to go in and I sat down and I realized that well, one, it being empty was also probably helping this aspect, but there were flowers on every single table. There was elevator type jazz music being played as an ambiance. I sat next to the window and it was a lot more sophisticated than I anticipated. Is, is Wendy's the fast food restaurant that actually tries to give you a little bit of elegance or is that just this Wendy's that I went to? It was the one in Midtown. Yeah, I feel like that's a throwback to kind of classic Wendy's. I, I remember Wendy's being uh, one of the classiest. At least have a salad bar. Like no fast food restaurant had a that. salad bar. Like Wendy's. Yeah, I think Wendy's was trying to be a little bit of like a home style restaurant alternative to McDonald's and Burger King. But then all of these fast food restaurants had the same evolution, and it was really a, a devolution because there were these price wars and everybody was just trying to cut cost and deliver, you know, crappy fast food as cheap as possible. And so Wendy's went down that road. Uh, but yeah, Wendy's, uh, that's a throwback to classic Wendy's. Well, their thing always has been, well, it used to be, where's the beef, right? But I also feel like one thing they tried to throw in there was that you didn't have to choose fries. You could choose a different side, but I never thought that really anybody else chose a different side. I went with chili today. Do you ever go non-fries with your Wendy's entree or do you usually just stick with the French fries? No, but you know who does that better? Cookout. If you ever been to a cookout, they well, do ridiculous well, yeah. sides. Yeah. Chicken nuts. Oh I go chicken God. nuggets as a side because just it just feels chaotic and I love it. I just love the oh feeling of doing that. It's not even oh, about the chicken nuggets. Amazing. The chicken nuggets are fine. It's just the single act of saying, yes, I mm. would like a side of chicken nuggets. Oh, I would like a side of chicken quesadilla. I would like a Cajun chicken wrap as my side to my Cajun chicken sandwich. I went to cookout for the first time in forever. Fast food, a little bit this week. Been splurging. Used to eat healthy, not anymore. Went to cookout and got a milkshake, got a Cajun chicken tray with a chicken quesadilla, seasoned fries. Uh, it was amazing. Oh, and by the way, all for $6 and you get that? Hey, cookout, man. It's it's undefeated. Cookout is amazing. Devontae Graham, I feel like, is the analogy to that. Devontae Graham for the Hornets this season has been the the side item that really is acting like an entree. Uh, mm. because he's been the chicken quesadilla. He's been the chi- he's been the cookout chicken quesadilla side for the Charlotte Hornets this season. And now with Dwayne Bacon still possibly ailing from this right knee soreness, he is listed as probable, but not a guarantee to play against the Detroit Pistons tonight. We could see another chicken quesadilla start tonight. Problem is, is we kind of need the big double burger. We need somebody who's going to be the Cajun chicken sandwich. And we didn't, I mean, maybe Terry Rozier could have been that guy. I also think we were wanting to see Miles Bridges take steps towards being the big double burger. We have a voicemail on Miles Bridges from our friend David, and we're going to get to that voicemail now. We appreciate everybody that does call in. Remember, you can do so by subscribing to patreon.com slash LOH. David has done so. Let's hear what he has to say on Miles Bridges. This is David from Gastonia, home of the Ashbrook Green Wave. My question is an important one. Did Diane ever show up to get that macaroni and cheese? I was just wondering <laughs> that, how that went down. 
Uh, no, seriously, <laughs> I do have a question. How concerned should we be about the play of Miles Bridges? Uh, we get the highlight dunks, and those are awesome. But it seems to me he just doesn't feel comfortable this year like he's pressing uh, on both ends of the floor. Do you all see him getting traded at some point since he and PJ seem to both fill the same role? Uh, thanks for the answer. Appreciate all you guys do, and go Hornets. David, fantastic phone call. Three go things. Go Green Wave. Is that, yeah, I was about to say, that's mater. your high school, right? Yeah. All right, that's why you threw Hashtag that in there. Your daddy. Two, uh, speaking of, I, I felt bad for not calling Rosario back to let her know that she had dialed the wrong number. I, I just want to call, is it Janet? We I always get it mixed up. It's it's Janet, right, who called Diane about the mac and cheese. Yeah, Janet is, is the caller. Diane is okay. the one that, that the request is being made of to pick up said macaroni and cheese. Diane. Uh, what time are you going to come by and pick up this macaroni and cheese? We should call Janet just to see if that mac and cheese ever got picked up. I, I, I am curious about that, and I want to answer David's question. The other part about this, and this is more your lane, Doug, because I think you've mentioned that exact theory before about the possibility of trading Miles Bridges because possibly P.J. Washington and Miles don't necessarily work that great together and that you could see a possible trade in the future. I, I just It makes me question the selection of PJ, if that's the case, at least at the time. Now, the way he's playing, it's hard to question the selection because he has been so good. But I just think if you're going to continue to rebuild and create pillars for this organization, not the four pillars, but actual pillars that play out there on the basketball court, I I just felt like that experiment needed to work. Miles and PJ flourishing on the court at the same time. Do you see it that same way? I think Miles has gotten better as the season's gone along. He's been one of the Hornets' more reliable outside shooters this season. I believe he's shooting uh, a tick over 40%. Uh, and the Hornets need <laughs> they need as much shooting. It's 39, yeah. All right, so a tick under 40%. But still yeah. very still very good. He's been a reliable no, he's been a reliable shooter for them and a, and a catch and shoot uh, guy for this team. So I mean, he's. I think he's finding his role. He's doing a little bit of everything, right? He's not lighting up one particular category uh, more than any other, but he, he'll get you some steals. He's going to block a shot or two every once in a while. He's moving the basketball. He had seven assists against the Grizzlies. Uh, I was just looking at that. Yeah. That's, that's noticeable. So, that's as so I noticeable think, as anything. I think probably he came into the season wondering, like, oh, I've got to you know, maybe handle the ball a little bit more and play make for myself a little bit more, and that didn't work. Uh, and it didn't really work in his favor. And so I think he settled back into a kind of do-it-all player, and you need those guys uh, in your rotation. So I, I, I'm, I don't think they'll trade him this season. Let me just say that. I, I think no, just long-term, no, they have to, you know, once they decide to get good, then they may have to look at, okay, how do all these pieces fit? Um, but right now, you know, I think he's settling in. I, I think he's going to have a good season. I just don't think he's going to have a great season. He's not, he's not making that star turn. Yeah, we've had our bad games from Miles. You know, uh, the three for eleven game against the Clippers. Uh, you have you have the one for ten game against the Golden State Warriors. The three for ten game against Philadelphia. But uh, other than that, I, I think the the best game that he had, he scored twenty three against the Lakers on that West Coast trip. There's a couple of field goal, a couple of uh, eight field goal games in a row when he played against the Indiana Pacers. I thought he was good in that game. Same with the Boston Celtics. He had eight field goals. And again, he had two three-pointers in those contests. But he has to be a better defender. I mean, to me, that's where he can define himself apart from 
apart from P.J. Washington, who has struggled, you know, I, I've said this a couple of times now, he struggled with face-up defense, P.J. Washington has. Pretty good interior defender when he's got a guy backing, backing him down. He's had some good help side blocks. Um, but, you know, he can be taken off the dribble pretty easily. Miles can. <laughs> yeah. Miles is actually the opposite. Like, he he's actually a good one-on-one defender, but he's just falling asleep on backdoor cuts and just generally not paying attention. And this team needs to get better defensively, and I think that has to start with Miles Bridges. So that's where, really, I look for him. If he, if he wants to have a good season, that's where I look for him to improve. You think that would be better for Miles to have the ability or at least have the problems not necessarily be about ability rather than it's about the lapses, right? Because it's a problem. It's a, it's a damn frustrating one when you see him get beat back door so easily. Like a TJ Warren for the Pacers did that a couple times. Like we've seen him get frustrated with that. I mean, it can't happen at the frequency in which it's happening right now, but at the same time, you do feel good about that because you're thinking, okay, as he gets more experience, then you hope that's going to dwindle down. You hope that Miles isn't going to allow people to do that. Whereas PJ Washington, I, I just I don't know how much confidence I have in him ever being a great perimeter defender. He certainly can get a lot better. But another TJ Warren example is one time PJ tried to guard him on the perimeter. <laughs> TJ did like the, the most simple crossover to his left. It was towards the baseline ever. And PJ looks like he gets shot out of a cannon towards the basket. <laughs> it was really nothing. And that's just what PJ is going to do. He looks like a rookie right now. And, uh, you know, that's you hope it gets better. You hope second season he looks a lot better defensively. He's learning. Uh, that the the NBA, I mean, every night you're going to have somebody that is extremely difficult to defend, even if they're not even if they're not great offensively, they're still going to be hard to defend compared to the people that you were kind of defending in college. All right, they're going to play the Detroit Pistons tonight, real quickly. Blake Griffin is expected to play in this game now. The Charlotte Hornets had had a ton of injury luck, where they had a bunch of the opposing teams among their best players not even play against the Hornets. Not going to be the case. It does look like Blake Griffin is going to be ready to go. This is going to be his debut, I believe, this season that he's going to play. So, look, when Blake Griffin is back, he was so good last season. Uh, Doug, I know you said that they did not make the postseason, that they weren't, in fact, an actual playoff team. But if they were, it was I don't because Blake Griffin was able <laughs> it was because Blake Griffin was able to lead them there uh what kind of wrinkle does Blake Griffin throw into the game plan of the Charlotte Hornets no listen if he's healthy I mean he I don't know that there's anyone on the the Hornets that can really defend him very well and you know the the longer his career goes the more he's stretching out defenses so I mean it's going to be very difficult if if he's feeling good but I think that's the key thing is he feeling 100% they're also getting Derek Rose back. He's recently returned from injury. Uh, but this this Pistons team, uh, they're a bad defensive team, so the Hornets are going to have plenty of opportunities to score. Uh, Luke Kennard's playing really well this season. Uh, he was taking, what, a few picks after Malik Monk, uh, but it looks like Luke Kennard, the better three-point shooter right now. He's actually, I think, fourth in three-pointers made across the entire NBA. Fifth is our guy, Devontae Graham. So you've got two of the the uh, the most productive sharpshooters going at each other in this one and then I got this note from Matt Shook who hosts Locked On Pistons Uh, Christian Wood former Charlotte Hornet has been a bit of a revelation off the bench says Matt after getting picked up off uh, waivers so look for Christian Wood to possibly make an impact in this game as well 
Andre Drummond is averaging close to 17 rebounds per game right oh, now. Man, it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> over and That's under good. offensive rebounds for this game, <laughs> 17 for the Pistons. Uh, th- that's, go that's going to go up. His, his average is somehow going to go up from 17 rebounds a game. That is going to happen. And again, it's it's amazing to see Andre Drummond. I know this kind of happened the last couple of years, but he's actually shooting 70% from the foul line. And how crazy is that to see how much Andre Drummond has improved at the charity stripe. So impressive for Andre that I know some people were out on Andre, right? Like, I don't think that's someone a lot of people would advocate signing to a long-term deal again, but averaging 17 rebounds, scoring 20 points a game, you know, actually passing a little bit, three assists per game for him, a couple blocks. I, you know, look, Andre Drummond, hey, numbers say at least, Andre Drummond playing pretty well this season. I, 17 rebounds is ridiculous. Can't even wrap my brain around it. They're still not a great free throw shooting team. That's the weird part about it is that as yeah. Andre Drummond's improved and they still, they're still not knocking down free mm-hmm. throw shots. But Andre Drummond shooting 70% from the free throw line, that's the Pistons' chicken nugget side. Like that's what you go, mm-hmm. whoa, hold on. Now we've we've changed the calculus a little bit. We can get chicken nuggets for a side. We can get 70% free throw shooting from Andre Drummond. And, you know, it just happens tasty. happens to come. Yeah, very tasty. Happens to come in a season where they can't play defense to save their lives. The Pistons have been extremely disappointing the entire – the Eastern Conference is uh, – I don't know if you've seen the standings lately, but um, the Hornets right now are tied for seventh in the East because there is such a huge divide. So you got Celtics, Heat, Buck, Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, Pacers at seven and four, and then a huge gulf – to the Hawks, Nets, Hornets, Magic, Cavaliers, all at four and seven. The difference between seven and six, uh, pretty monumental at this point. Then you have the Pistons in 13th at four and eight. They play the Knicks on Saturday. The Knicks are three and nine. They finally got another win against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Doug, I have a question. Do you think that... Do you think the Hornets are better than the Knicks, or do you think the Knicks actually finish with a worse record than the Charlotte Hornets do this season? Talent-wise... I think that the Knicks probably have more talent. I mean, I think Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, uh, I don't know, man. It's just like so much of their roster is... Well, that was sarcasm for me. I was trying to get you to go with your take about the Charlotte Hornets not being as bad as the New York Knicks, but I don't feel like you picked up on that. Oh, my fault. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks are doo-doo. But I mean, (laughs) but the the thing about the Knicks is that, yes, yes, it's a lack of talent, but it's also a lack of roster construction. Like, the Knicks just thought that they could roll into this season with R.J. Barrett and Dennis Smith Jr. and a few other pieces and be okay, and they didn't even bother to, to construct a roster that makes any sense. Like, say what you want to about the Hornets. Make make fun of them all you want to. But their roster makes sense. I mean, sure, certainly they have deficiencies. They don't have enough – they don't, really don't have enough ball handlers, I think, or people that can create for themselves. But uh, they, they their roster makes sense. Like, you can start Devontae Graham next to our, uh, next to Terry Rozier and be okay because you have the pieces behind them to make sense. The Knicks don't make any sense. Oh, that that's all I wanted. That's all I was asking all right. for, Doug. Use your basketball well, just knowledge. Just ask to next prove time. Just uh, just ask ha- me to rant on the Knicks. Don't don't cloud it in all kinds of radio, you know, professional radio questions. Just say, Doug, <laughs> the Knicks suck. Go, and I'll I will go. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's all one word, no spaces. LOCKEDONNBA, and mybookie will match 50% of your first deposit. In case you missed it, to end the week, up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. 
This is Locked on Hornets. I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is. Yeah, you no, like I know. That yeah, no, I definitely. Sorry, Martin. I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was uh, that a me problem or you a problem? Were you just not listening, or were, was I just that I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't. Li- well. I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. In case you missed it, is what we've been doing every Friday in the third segment, just to make sure that everybody gets caught up on all the things happening around the NBA and maybe some things that don't necessarily have to do with the NBA. Russell Westbrook. After the Houston Rockets played the Los Angeles Clippers, had some things to say about Patrick Beverly's defense, or maybe not even defense, as he would call it. Here's Russell Westbrook on Pat Beverly. Pat Bev trick y'all, man, like he played defense. He don't guard nobody, man, just running around, doing nothing. It's not. As you've seen, what happened, 47. All that commotion to get 47. Russ never shy about his rivalry with Patrick Beverly, saying Pat Bev can't play no deep. I was watching the jump yesterday, and Kendrick Perkins, who knows Russell Westbrook pretty well, I mean he played with him in the with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, said that this is going to last their entire lives. Mm -hmm. Russell can't stand Patrick Beverly, and so they were. I think they were playing BS or real talk. And about what Russell Westbrook was saying, of course, they both go BS because Patrick Beverly does defend. Now, of course, Pat Beverly can get crazy and maybe there. I mean, he gets dramatic. There's no doubt about that. But Russell Westbrook angry at Pat Beverly. Well, you know, Patrick Beverly defends on a 2D level and a 3D level like he he defends. (laughs) Yes, he's a good one on one defender. He's a good team defender, but he also loves to just get into your head and and on that on that extra plane and really take you out of what you want to do. Now, it's really that's really difficult to do with some players, and he wasn't really able to successfully do it against James Harden. Um, and, you know, listen, defense is, is kind of an amorphous thing. It's really difficult uh, to quantify. Uh, like, we don't we have some stats, but we always argue about them. Um, and, you know, unless you just go through the play log and just watch every play and then try to make some sort of coaching determination about like where was he supposed to be it's really difficult to say but I I think it's pretty well known around the league from everyone except for Russell Westbrook that Patrick Beverly is a good defender but funny to see but funny to see Russ Russ just knows it yeah yeah, I think Russ knows it too it's just funny to see these two guys (laughs) going after each other have you seen what Andrew Wiggins is doing Doug it's pretty amazing not I he's playing like an all-star I, these numbers are long crazy what he's doing. You're right. It's definitely taken him a long time. But you look at what he's done in the month of November specifically, because remember at the beginning, there were still some jokes about Andrew Wiggins. The first two games of the year against the Nets, he goes 10 of 27. I believe he puts up something like a minus 30 in that game and an overtime victory against the Nets. Then against the Hornets, he only goes 6 of 13 when he played against Charlotte. It's not like he was amazing in that game. Two assists, four rebounds, and 16 points. That's not very good. But then he gets to November against the Washington Wizards. And in the month of November, he's shooting over 50% from the field. He's shooting 43% from three-point range. His free throw percentage is still at 70, but he's averaging close to five rebounds. He is averaging five assists, averaging close to 30 points a game this month. He's averaging 26 a game on the year. I, what he's doing is, is nuts, man. Like th- these stats are crazy good. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't believe in the wolves. Do you believe in Andrew that this no, is something Kat, somewhat sustainable? Cat is fake tough. Andrew's fake good. Okay, Jimmy Butler the is the host of the podcast. Thank you very much. Carmelo Anthony also going to the Portland Trailblazers. He's got a team, Doug. Carmelo, we mentioned it at the top of the podcast with Nada. Nada was not a fan of bringing Carmelo to the Hornets. Neither was I. I didn't want him anywhere near the Charlotte Hornets. Carmelo going to Portland, finally with a new team. Portland also, they've been struggling a lot to start this season. Damian Lillard talked about how we've been in this position before, but it's certainly a different team, right? Nurkic is still nursing what is a really bad injury that he suffered last year, like Paul George, Gordon Hayward-esque, and the dude is a lot bigger than both of those guys. So you have to wonder if he's going to be able to come back and be nearly as effective as he was last season. You've got think pieces about Portland maybe needing to sell rather than buy. This is a team that maybe just needs to find a way to maybe keep Damian Lillard, but trade CJ McCollum and everybody else. Do you think Carmelo can be the savior for Portland, Doug? No. (laughs) And I don't think that that's why they made this deal. Uh, Why did they make it? I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I think that they <laughs> saw it as an opportunity to add a little bit of talent while they figure out whatever it is the hell that they're going to do to get out of this hole. Uh, I don't. I just don't. I don't see him coming in and making that big of an impact. But um, you just, if you're Portland, you hope he just doesn't come in and make a negative impact. Like, I mean, <laughs> best case scenario, it makes no impact. I think. Well, that's the thing. Carmelo hasn't bought into a role that he needs to buy into yet. He's laughing at reporters asking him about coming off of the bench when he goes to Oklahoma City. You know, he wants to jack up shots with the Houston Rockets. He wants to take his mid-range shots when he's with the Houston Rockets, which is a big no-no in that offense. And Carmelo, the, the last decent thing that he's done on the court is shoot close to 36% from three with Oklahoma City. That's the last decent thing he's done. And shooting close to 36% is average in the NBA for someone that shoots at the volume that he does. He's not an efficient basketball player. He doesn't defend. He's not someone that passes. Uh, You're just hoping that he can somehow get buckets, and he just can't anymore at this level at an efficient rate. Like It just doesn't make sense, I think, for a good team to bring in Carmelo. If he buys into a different role, then okay, I'll eat my words, but call me skeptical because it hasn't happened yet. I mean, I'll be watching because now they have Carmelo Anthony and Hassan Whiteside. So whatever happens, <laughs> I would, it's yeah. kind of the same thing I said when the Hornets brought Dwight Howard in. It's like whatever happens, it's going to be somewhat entertaining. Yeah, I, and, and Dwight Howard actually playing pretty well with the Lakers. What's going on in the NBA? Yeah. Bad players are good now. It's crazy. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. Also, give Nada a follow at Nada the Scribe. He's putting out some good content. So, again, at Nada the Scribe. We'll be back with you next week for more on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Carmelo's a big double burger. It's Janet.